This afternoon, I preach you the Word of God as it's found in Exodus 20, verse 7, which is the third commandment, along with the church's confession of this truth. As we find that in Lord's Day 36 of the Heidelberg Catechism. If you'd like to read along, you can find that in the Book of Praise on page 553. Here the church confesses what is required in the third commandment. We are not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence so that we may rightly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in all our words and works. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? Certainly, for no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. That is why he commanded it to be punished with death. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, little Rowan Bonnie Woudstra was just baptized into the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That baptism, as we read and as we confess, was a sign that she belongs to God's covenant and congregation. Rowan is distinguished from the children of unbelievers because the redemption from sin and the Holy Spirit are promised to her through Christ's blood. She shares in the promises given to every person, everyone who renounces the darkness of the world to walk in the light of the triune God and his gracious saving work. To be brought into his name means to be brought into the truth about all that God is and all that he does for us and within us. And God reveals his name to believers for their comfort. Using God's name with fear and reverence, that's a part, a blessing of our redeemed life. And God showed this to us by placing it right there in the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. There we hear that gospel message about what God wants for us. He, he wants his name to be a continual blessing in our lives, whether we are, like we did today, baptizing our children, or whether we are receiving the, the blessing from the triune God in the worship services, or we are looking for comfort in our tribulations, trials of life, or we're seeking purpose in this life. If you are one of those who are seeking God's blessing, or seeking comfort, or seeking purpose in your life, you need to know the name of God. And Christ brings everyone who believes in the name of the triune God into the church that bears his name for our comfort, for our well-being, placing his name upon us 
He also equips us so that the glory of God's name might shine through us and be visible in the world. I preach you this gospel under the theme in Christ, the glory of God's name shines through us. And so we are blessed to know God's name and called to show God's name. So Tom and Shania, like all covenant parents, they promised to teach their child, to teach Rowan, all about God's name so that she might know her creator, so she might find peace in the forgiveness of her sins in Jesus Christ, and so that she might live with joy as the Holy Spirit leads her in this new obedience. That's how followers of Jesus Christ respond to their master. Psalm 22 that we looked at last week, it, we, it, it talks about our Lord Jesus, who won the victory on the cross, and then he told his name to the brothers. He was praised in the midst of the congregation. Psalm 22, verses 30 to 31, it even affirms this. It says, posterity, that's like uh, the next generation, posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. You saw that connected to our Lord Jesus on the cross when he said, it is finished. That's what we declare to the next generation. And parents who give their children a Christian education are, are being used by God to reveal his name. God is gathering his church through faithful believers who instruct the next generation in the, in the, in the best way they see fit in their circumstances. So as a recent PIX newsletter article highlighted, Christian education should be a high priority in our collective conscious, consciences. This is not because we believe that the next generation of Christians cannot learn anything from people who are not Christians, but it's because we believe that the most important thing for God's people, for his church, is that they know the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our children need to know the name of God that was placed on them at their baptism so that they can live forever as, as children of the Creator and His eternal kingdom. And so, however, we choose to educate our children in, in these promises Education is about equipping the next generation so that they can see what God's name is all about, so that they can experience his love. They can be able to read the Bible, his divine revelation. They can, they can also have access to see God's name as it's displayed in the majesty of creation. But our children aren't the only ones who need to know God's name. This isn't just a question about family or tradition or particular lines of thought. The God of the, ba of the Bible is not just one of many gods, but he is the only God. And in him, all truth is found. To know the name of God is to know the truth. And so it's a very gracious thing that God has revealed his name 
to us in the Bible. People who want to know the name of God, who are seeking that comfort, who are, are looking for that purpose in, in this whole life, they can turn to the pages of Scripture. And there they will learn that He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. There they will learn that He is the one who, who reached down to undeserving sinners. Who, he made a covenant so that He could save them from their punishment that they deserve through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. Reading God's word, we learn that he leads believers in their redeemed life by the Holy Spirit who dwells right within us. In the scriptures, we have everything we need in order to, to know the name of God. If you are new to the faith, if you're wondering about the, the Christian faith, the origin of all things, your purpose in life, where to find comfort in the trials that you are going through, God has revealed his name in the Bible. You can turn to it. You can find knowledge of the name of God. And since God is so great and his grace is so profound, even those who confessed, who've already confessed their faith in this God, who've already said that they want to follow him in, in all of life, they can continue to learn about his name through daily, ongoing study. We have in our congregation some, some members who are of quite a different age than Rowan. They're, they're much more experienced. They've, they've lived on the, a lot longer, confessed their faith, Christians, Every day they turn to the scriptures. They grow in their knowledge of the name of God. That's the purpose of Bible study in your home. That's the purpose of the different Bible studies that are available throughout the week in this congregation. That's also why it's a little worrisome. People who, who bear the name of God care very little about studying his name more through the reading of scripture and study in their home and, and with others. Here we have the name of God revealed to us so we can grow. And throughout history, the church has eagerly delved into the scriptures so that they might know their creator and their savior even more. They might understand together exactly who the Lord is, what is his name, the responsibility of accurately understanding the name of God has led believers to form creeds and confessions. And these creeds and confessions, they serve as guardrails and lamps to highlight the name of God, to bring God's name right into our, our everyday lives. We create, we work together as churches to, to make these statements so that we don't take the name of the Lord in vain. They're collective, Catholic, they're all times and all places, response of faith concerning all that we've learned, all that we can celebrate about the name of God. And so we can continue to grow in our understanding of the name of God. And then, understanding that name, we can also pray to him 
with understanding. The right understanding of who he is. What we can expect from him. You see, all this reminds us that the name of God is not just theoretical knowledge. It's not just book knowledge. God is a personal God that we can talk to. He is a living God who is with us in all the different situations of life. Although he is sovereign and eternal, he is also near to us. And God equips us to know his name by allowing us to experience his love, experience his protection and his nearness. God is not just a God who is out there, but he is also near to us. He dwelt among the people of Israel in the tabernacle and in the temple. The Son of God took on our human nature and lived right here on this earth. He walked on, on dirt that we can walk on today. And then the Holy Spirit, he makes his dwelling in the hearts of believers so that we can see, so that we can believe, so that we can desire to walk with our Heavenly Father communion of saints is so important because when we are together sharing our joys, sharing our struggles, we can increase in our understanding of the name of God. As we hear how the, the Lord has helped and been with others in their struggles and trials or in their joys, we, we stand back, we, we just say, wow, God is amazing. He's so much more than, than I even experienced in my own life. We have been equipped with everything we need to know the name of God. We live with him, walking with him in our study, our prayer, our fellowship. We will find that he also uses us to reflect his name in the world. He calls us to show his name. Now we read together James chapter 2 connected to Romans 2 for encouraging that we don't show partiality. In fact, James is rebuking the church for showing partiality to, to the rich people. And in that context, verse 7, and this is the one we're really looking at, he, he tells the church that they've been called by an honorable name. Blaspheming the honorable name by which we are called is considered a terrible opposition. If you compare verse 6 and verse 7, you can see, James 2, that blaspheming the honorable name of God is as, as awful as oppressing the church or dragging the church to court. And that's because our, the very identity of the church is tied to that name of God that we bear. We know the name, and we are associated with the name. And Christ's work then brings us together with him under the umbrella of God's name so that also our name is changed. We're not just identified by our gender or appearance, our scars or accomplishments, but we can look in the mirror and we can see that in Christ we are new creatures. We have a new name. And since he changes who we are, the very fact that you are a Christian, that, that we are Christians, 
That's a demonstration of what God is like. So when we look in the mirror, we can see that his name is revealed in the love that he showed to us as his creatures. We are made in his image with a special mission to, to praise him. His name is revealed in the amazing grace he showed to believers. In spite of our sins, we can look in the mirror and we can say, I am, I am justified, declared innocent by the grace of God. Praise his name. He makes us holy. He dwells within us. And so if we are Christians, that means that God is dwelling in us as temples so that we can love and serve others. It's a great privilege to be the focus of God's work and attention. And since we reflect then the work of his hands, it's a great responsibility. Everything you say about your life, everything you say about what God has done in your life, it's, it's a testimony to his name, and that comes with a responsibility. For if your name is associated with God's name and God's work, then what people see in our lives will either cause them to honor the name and the power and the love and, and the grace of God, or to blaspheme and abuse the name of God. We read that when we read together Romans 2. The Holy Spirit makes it very clear that the behavior of someone who calls himself a person who knows scriptures, who knows the name of God, the, the behavior of such a person is as important as it is for that person to know the name of God, to know who he is. We could say it another way, just, just knowing what the Bible says about God and simply recognizing what Jesus did on the cross, that he died for sinners, that's not enough to reflect the name of God because he's done more than that. God is more than a person to be known for his powerful spirit also gives faith. And he adorns that faith with a transformed life of love without partiality, says James. And that's what Paul is saying in Romans. He says, you read scripture, you know what it says, you know the commandments, you teach others, little children and foolish people around you. He says, then why do you do those things that you preach against? Why do you deny the, the power of the Holy Spirit in, in, in that way? See, every time that you claim to bring the truth, while at the same time denying its power by failing to, to try to live in it, then not only do you show the world how much you deserve to be punished for breaking the very law that you preach, but you also dishonor the name of God before men. For they have to conclude that that God you're professing isn't very powerful at all. Just a bunch of words. He just makes hypocrites. That's what Romans 2 is saying, isn't it? 
claim to be God's children, but then steal and commit adultery, dishonor God's holy things. You make God's name distasteful for those who meet you. It's a very powerful message in Romans chapter 2. The catechism really catches that too. The church confesses that to to bring that to our attention. This is a very, very important part of our our calling. We're called to, to share the gospel. It's not just words. It's also our deeds. The Bible makes it clear it's a terrible blasphemy when Christians go out and either hurt or abuse others or, on the other hand, just participate with them in the sins of sexual immorality or stealing or cheating, misleading others about what God is like, failing to correct those under your sphere of influence who blaspheme God's name. It also mentions being silent bystanders. And I think we have a lot of opportunity to to be vocal bystanders in our different jobs, on the work sites. Leading others to mock or ridicule or blaspheme God's name by your own hypocrisy. It's such a serious sin that our catechism uses some of the, the strongest language. And it's, it's referring to Leviticus 5, verse 1, and Leviticus 24, verse 16. It says, No sin is greater or provokes God to anger more than blaspheming of his holy name. And if you are here today, if, if you've been hurt by someone who calls himself or herself a Christian, please understand that God is not like that. Although he grants forgiveness for those who repent, this does not mean that he does not hate such wicked atrocities as much as you do. If the person who is hurting you right now or who has hurt you does not repent and seek forgiveness, that person is not representing the name of God to you. God is not like that. It's not the Holy Spirit who leads them in such a wicked way of life. And that's why it's stated so strongly in the confession, so so we may know, so we may be comforted, so we may understand the name of God. Understand, a lot of people blaspheme that name and maybe caused hurt to you because of that. But the point is clear. Those who know the law those who understand the scriptures, those who are familiar with the life-changing work of God, they are called to reveal the glory of God's name by what they do. When we are led by the Holy Spirit, we will never want to hide the truth about God's glorious name by our actions. We, we see his work, we see his, his power, we're, we're so moved and so joyful. We don't want to, to hurt it, we don't want to hide that. We don't want to put it under a bushel. We don't want to twist it so that people have the wrong idea. So what does that mean for you in your life? And remember, as you think about that, that the, the Gentiles mentioned in Romans 2 
are not the only ones who are learning about God's name from your life. We already talked about Rowan. But we can think about it. We're all growing in our knowledge. We're all looking for that consistent message of truth that we can cling to for comfort and for purpose. We all will reject the words of hypocrites whose actions do not match their words. We will all form judgments about the work of God, the Holy Spirit, based on what we're seeing in the lives of fellow Christians. Now clearly we have to do that with Scripture open as we look for consistency and God's Word declares His name in the first place. But then ask the question, what about your children who don't know how to read yet? What about the children who learn about what God is like from how they see how their parents live? how they treat one another, how they talk about other people around them. And children, yourselves, you're, you're in the classroom, Christian school, maybe you're homeschooled and it's a Christian education. What, what do others learn about God's name from the way that you treat others? Imagine you grow up in a classroom and you're bullied, 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 always picked on, made fun of, excluded, ignored. That's all you see. And you think, is God like that? Because then I don't want any part of that. So that responsibility of bearing the name of God that starts so young continues all the way. And we're learning about what he's like. And we know, as we read, is love. And we're called to reflect that. Do you see how James makes a contrast between oppression and bullying with Christian love? We think about our marriages. What does our wife learn about what God is like by the way that you speak to her and about her and how you treat her? What is your husband? Learn about the name of God and his work and your life by the way that you talk to him. Then we see how important it is to live in that obedience to the third commandment where we don't take that name in vain. We don't abuse the name of the Lord but we, we turn to our Lord Jesus Christ who fully and completely represented the name of God here on earth. He showed us what that name looks like. He showed us how life can be transformed by those who walk and how we can also be positive, blessing to those around us when we walk in his word and in his name. That's what God wants for all of us. That's why he gave us the third commandment. He wants that name protected so that it can be a blessing, so that you can be comforted, so you can understand your purpose in this life to glorify him. Amen.